Joshua 12. Now these are the kings of the land, whom the children of Israel struck, and possessed their land beyond the Jordan towards the sunrise, from the valley of the Arnon to Mount Hermon and all the Arabah east, Sihon the king of the Amorites who lived in Heshbon and ruled from Aroah, which is on the edge of the valley of the Arnon and the middle of the valley and half Gilead even to the river Jabbok, the border of the children of Ammon, and the Arabah to the sea of Chinneroth eastward and to the sea of the Arabah, even the salt sea eastward, the way to Beth Jeshimoth, and on the south under the slopes of Pisgah, and the border of Og, king of Bashan, of the remnant of the Rephaim, who lived at Ashtaroth and at Edrei, and ruled in Mount Hermon, and in Salakar, and in all Bashan, to the border of the Geshurites, and the Machathites, and the half Gilead, the border of Sihon, king of Heshbon. Moses, the servant of Yahweh, and the children of Israel struck them, Moses the servant of Yahweh gave it for a possession to the Reubenites and the Gadites and the half-tribe of Manasseh. These are the kings of the land whom Joshua and the children of Israel struck beyond the Jordan westward, from Baal Gad in the valley of Lebanon, even to Mount Halak that goes up to Seir. Joshua gave it to the tribes of Israel for a possession according to their divisions. In the hill country and in the lowland and in the Arabah and in the slopes and in the wilderness and in the south, the Hittite, the Amazite and the Canaanite, the, Jebu the Perizzite, the Hivite and the Jebusite. The king of Jericho, one. The king of Ai, which is beside Bethel, one. The king of Jerusalem, one. The king of Hebron, one. The king of Jarmuth, one. The king of Lachish, one. The king of Eglon, one. The king of Jeza. 1. The king of Debir, 1. The king of Geda, 1. The king of Hormah, 1. The king of Arad, 1. The king of Libna, 1. The king of Adullam, 1. The king of Makedar, 1. The king of Bethel, 1. The king of Tapua, 1. The king of Hefer, 1. The king of Aphek, 1. The king of Lasheron, 1. The king of Madon, 1. The king of Hatzor, one. The king of Shimron Meron, one. The king of Ashrash, one. The king of Taanak, one. The king of Megiddo, one. The king of Kadesh, one. The king of Jokneum in Carmel, one. The king of Dor in the height of Dor, one. The king of Goyim in Gilgal, one. The king of Terzar, one. All the kings, 31. So this chapter is a list of all the kings that were defeated. The first part is the list of the two kings that were defeated by Moses, um, Sihon, um, the king of Heshbon, and Og, the king of Bashan, and they were defeated on the east side of the Jordan. And then when Joshua crossed over, 31 more kings, we just read all the names of their cities, 33 kings in all. This uh, tally of victories took seven years to complete. I'll explain all of that later. And, um, but there's really only um, one point that I want to make here today, and I'm going to get to that in just a second. But I wanted to just mention something about yesterday's video that I forgot to mention. So in the video about the Northern Alliance, it says that Joshua burned the city of Hutsor. It said it was the only city he burned. Well, that was in the north. But in the south, Joshua burned two cities, Jericho and Ai. So in total... Three cities were burned by Joshua, and all the rest were not burned. 
Josh, it, it was very unusual to burn cities in ancient warfare because when you burn a city, you lose the city. And people often like to save the city because it's an asset, it's infrastructure. You know, there's water and there's um, you know, storage and grain and food and wealth and treasure, supply, all these things. When you burn it, you lose the lot. So people didn't often burn cities to the ground. Um, but there are three cities that were burned. The Associates for Biblical Research um, have a channel on YouTube and they also have biblicalarchaeology.org website. And there's some interesting um, archeology span about the, the conquest of Canaan. But one of the things they notice is when you dig up ancient cities, sometimes you find what they call a burn layer. And all these layers, you know, where the, the, the deeper down you go, you've got the older material. And three cities in the, in the land of Israel where they've discovered burn layers are Jericho, Ai, and Hatzor. I think it's just amazing. And, and um, the dating even matches. So I think it's just worth saying. So we've just read a list of all the kings that were defeated, 33 kings in total. And um, so it was a, it's a comprehensive campaign to take control of the whole land. There are, of course, pockets of resistance, but in essence, they control the land. Now, um, what we've got here is a picture of Jesus right there. Some people struggle with the idea of um, God authorizing a military campaign. And the book of Joshua in particular is difficult for some people. We've talked about this a few times, and if you, um, if you want to hear me talk about that, go to the video on Joshua chapter 8, and we talk about some of the reasons why God did so. We're not going to go into that now, but we just want to make the point that Joshua did conquer these cities. It was a, a thing that happened in real time and in real history, and they were completely destroyed and completely conquered. Joshua was the victor. Now, Joshua is a picture to us of Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ is the victor. Now, some people have uh, put forward what they call theories of atonement. So, you know, what, what these theories of atonement are is basically a reason or an explanation for what was achieved when Jesus went to the cross and died on the cross at our behalf. So some people have put forward a theory that says that... Um, there was a, you know, propitiation or what you call substitu substitutionary atonement. You know, Jesus stood in our place so that, so that he died and we could have life. So that's an atonement model where he substituted himself for us. Another one that's called the penal substitution model. There's different ones. There's the ransom model where Jesus is paying the ransom for our sins. And, um, but there's this one called the Christus Victor model a theory of atonement, where Jesus went to the cross and, and when he died on the cross, through the act of dying and coming back to life, he spiritually took control of the earth and destroyed all resistance, all evil power completely destroyed so that now we are his. We belong to Jesus now and uh, through the surrender of our lives, we're in him. So there's this Christus Victor model. I personally think that the work of Christ is so great and so grand that no theory can explain it, that you need all of the theories, and even then, it doesn't cover it properly. I think, you know, like a diamond has many faces, so the work of Christ has many facets. And you really, you can't even sufficiently explain it with all of them. 
But there's something to be said about the Christus Victor model, that Jesus Christ, when he went to the cross, he completely destroyed the work of Satan everywhere. He's a victor in battle. And Joshua now, we've just been describing how they went across the Jordan, and he conquered this king, conquered this king, conquered this king. He took control of the land and he subjugated it. He became the Lord of the land. And um, this is what Jesus did for us. And I'm going to read to you in Colossians chapter 2.15 what it says. It says, Having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, overcoming them by the cross. So Jesus Christ is our Joshua, who conquered all the kings that tried to rise up against him, and he subjugated them, and he embarrassed them. And sometimes, you know, we read in um, two chapters ago, in uh, Joshua chapter 10, where the southern alliance had attacked, and there were five kings that went and hid in a cave, and Joshua brought them out, and he, you know, he said to the men, stand on their necks. You know, well, that was a humiliating moment right there, where these kings had lost the battle, and they were about to lose their lives, and they stood on their necks. It's a moment of humiliation. Well, and in the New Testament, in the New Testament times, whenever the Roman army would uh, would attack, there were times when they would have such a great victory that the general would be awarded what's called a triumph. So, for example, when Titus attacked Jerusalem in AD 70 and completely destroyed it, he was awarded a triumph. You know, this grand ceremony where as he marched into Rome with all the army with him, the leaders of the, the defeated uh, army were marched along naked in chains. They were completely humiliated. And at the end of the march, they were killed right there in public with a sword. Well, that was called a triumph. And we think of triumph as like this grand thing of, yes, I've triumphed. But a triumph was also humiliating for the losing party. And it says here in Colossians 2.15 that Jesus disarmed the powers and authorities and he made a spectacle of them. It says a public spectacle of them, triumphing over them by the cross. We don't often get that picture when we read the Gospels of the story of Jesus and his death on Calvary and his resurrection. We see it very much in earthly terms of what we visibly see. We don't really see the spiritual element of what went on in the heavenlies. But the truth is, that the picture of Joshua conquering the land and humiliating those people and destroying them completely, that's what Jesus did. So we're now living in a, in a land of promise. We've been given an inheritance where our enemy has com been completely destroyed. And uh, we as Christians should live uh, seated at the right hand of the Lord, which is where we're, we're told we're seated far above you know, principalities and powers. We're with the Lord. And we should have the attitude of being overcomers and conquerors rather than letting us, you know, our minds tell us that, that we are under all of these things. And so often we do let them overpower us in our thoughts and our feelings. But we need to go to the Lord and we say, Lord, you've triumphed over these things and I'm seated with you far above them all. And so you apply the cross, the victus, the, the you know, Victor Christus, Christus Victor, Lord, the victory of Christ, you apply it in your life in the same way that Joshua destroyed every resistance, so every resistance to us has also been destroyed, and we need to apply it in our own lives. So, Father, that's what we want to do. This list of all the defeated kings reminds us 
that our enemy has been defeated, been defeated by the cross of Christ and humiliated. Lord, we're seated with you. We're above all of these things, but Lord, so often we walk in defeat because we don't have faith. Forgive us, Lord. But now, Lord, lift our eyes. Let our vision be higher. Help us to walk with our eyes set upon Christ, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you.